Today in the podcast, the guys are going to continue in their cult series, part two. We're going to break down three different cults, take a look at what they do and how they came about. It's going to be a really awesome time, so sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. What's up, Warriors? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. This is episode number 24. We are back in the studio. <laughs> I'm Turner, and this is my brother, Rosie. What's up, Rosie? Hey, what's up, dude? How you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. We had a, uh, we had a couple days off here back in the East Coast for uh, some snow that came around. We had about 10 and a half inches or so. Yeah, I got about a foot. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys go out, like, do you go out in the snow at all when it snows? No, but we let our, uh, I let my dog out and he uh, <laughs> ran around, but he's old. Yeah. So I think he got excited for like a minute and he was like, <laughs> and just ran out there. And then all of a sudden he got cold and just looked in and came back in. <laughs> so he didn't like, he, tr- he, he still thinks he's a puppy and he's like healthy for a 10 year old dog. Yeah. But. That's yeah. so funny, man. So other than letting him out and standing outside, so no. Will he run away? Is he the he type tries. Of, he tries. And then he gets lost, and then he just stands there and waits for us. <laughs> waits awesome. for someone to come. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, I don't. I have you know my kids. They, my son and his buddy. He actually had a buddy spend the night, so he was trapped here for two days. <laughs> Which is actually really great because then he's got somebody to hang out with, yeah. you know, and I, we can just, we literally veg and Netflix and we just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We do, I just watched football. Yeah. I watched football. That was another thing we did. That was fun. Made a fire in the fireplace. You yeah. Know? We just kind of do that. But um, yeah, it was fun. So, but now here we are, man. We're yeah. back. And that that's why this is a delayed uh delayed getting to your ears that you our listeners ears because uh we, were, we couldn't get to the studio right, with 10 inches of snow yeah. how can you get in there <laughs> so yeah but uh so uh did you know anything oh yeah. yeah all right so did you know that in 1974 in the 1974th amateur draft the buffalo savers with the 183rd overall pick 11th round drafted or selected taro sujimoto <laughs> who was a japanese ice hockey player who did not exist wait what yeah okay so the, explain so the thing was the uh basically the coach was just really or the general manager was just like fed up and it was he was just like whatever we're just gonna you know he's just it was a super tedious process at this particular draft and he was just going to have fun. And he's like, yeah, okay. Just this guy from, uh, the Tokyo Katanas <laughs> is the name that he said in the Japanese league. And he's like, we're going to draft this guy. And, uh, nobody realized that he didn't exist. And so it went in the books and came out and, uh, he never made the team. <laughs> no, <laughs> he didn't exist. There, there's no, he made that name up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But can, is there a Japanese hockey like league or whatever? I don't think so. I, I mean, probably. Yeah. But I don't know enough about that. But he said, yeah, he found the name in a Buffalo phone book. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the, he said the, the team name, the Tokyo Katanas, translated into English as the Tokyo Sabres, so the Buffalo Sabres. Oh, uh, that's cool. So it was clever. Yeah. Um, Did he know Japanese? I wonder if he knew some Japanese. Sounds, I don't know. Sounds like yeah, he was But like, I mean, you can look up his whole stats. He was yeah. born... 
November 16th, 1954, <laughs> from Osaka. He was, uh, he's a center. He was 5'9", 165. But they made all that up. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> he has fake stats because yeah. he's a fake Listen, people, I can't always find crazy ones and out Satanists and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Some of them are just always different. Yeah. Oh, man. Dude, we have a, uh, we have a continuation, part two today, of our cult series that we started um, last week. If you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it. We set up this whole series with that episode, and um, we're going to continue on it today. And basically... You have done some amazing research, which you always do, and you're going to bring to the table just some really out there and bizarre cults that have been around, you know, some from real long time ago, some that are actually still working and operating today, sadly. And so, uh, so if you're looking for apologetic today or, you know, some kind of like answer to some of these cults, we might weave in some of that. Not, I'm not sure how, because I don't even know what's on your list, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but w- what, what you will hear today is you're going to hear just some really strange, bizarre people and things. Yeah. Um, and so if you needed to break from reality and, uh, you know, your work, uh, just listen to this for the next you know, however long it takes. Yeah. And I apologize beforehand. A lot of this is just going to be me reading. Um, (laughs) And I'm reading a lot of, I found crazy old news stories and stuff about some of this. So a lot of it's going to be reading and I hope, yeah, we'll be jumping in, but hopefully you've never heard of these guys before. And I picked three different cults that are, um, they're different. So it's not all, like satanic cults or, you know, it's not all doomsday cults or right. it's not anything like that. Yeah. So I just tried to find super obscure, <laughs> um, well, two that are super obscure. And then one kind of touches on something that I brought up last week that I think when we dive into this, it'll be really interesting and shed some light on, um, a story I told last week. All right. So well, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's jump in there and I will, Two things. Number yeah. one, I you have the best reading voice, so you reading a lot doesn't bother me. Okay. But uh, number two, <laughs> I'll jump in as you know. I'll I'll give you the little signal in the studio here when I want to ask a question or something. So okay. you'll, you'll see me. Okay. So what's the first cult that you're going to bring up? So the first cult has two different names. Um, the first one is the Blackburn Cult. Ooh. And the second name, oh, where is it? It is. The Divine Order of the Royal Arm of the Great Seal. <laughs> A.K.A. Blackburn Cult. Uh, A.K.A. the Blackburn Cult. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read this story. Yeah. So, they took their name from a single verse in the Book of Revelation, 11.3. And this is the verse. And I will grant my two witnesses power to prophesy for 1,000 264 days. Okay. Okay. So now I'm going to start reading. The two whose prophetic activities the cult believed were foretold in the verse were a mother and a daughter who used sex, religion, greed, and animal sacrifices (laughs) to separate believers from their money. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Reread that line just for one more time. I need to hear that again. Okay. 
the two whose prophetic activities the cult believed were foretold in the verse were a mother and a daughter who used sex, religion, greed, and animal sacrifices to sep- separate believers from their money. Okay. So there. So this is a cult. It's so weird. This one's so weird. But they try to get a lot of money. <laughs> they try to become rich. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. So uh, most of this occurred while the cultists were awaiting the return of the Messiah, an event they believed would coincide with the resurrection of a dead 16-year-old priestess whose body they kept on ice in a bathtub. Wow. Occasionally, the dead priestess was taken off of ice for a spin around Los Angeles in the backseat of a touring car. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that illegal? Probably. <laughs> but this happened in the, in the 1920s, so oh. I'll set that up. So okay, 1920s. You could probably pretty much do whatever you wanted back then. That is crazy. Yeah. And maybe we should preface this by saying... As we get further into it, this one isn't too crazy, but one of the cults, the last one that I'll talk about, there's a reason we have explicit content, uh, okay. warning. It's not too graphic. I'm, I'm not going to go into too graphic, but there's some stuff that I'll read from like crime reports. So just be warned. It's nothing more than like you'll hear on, I mean, if you, if you watch Law & Order SVU, it's nothing crazier than anything they say on there. Hey, I appreciate that warning. Yeah. Um, so kid, put your earmuffs on kids. Yeah. To, yeah. So, all right. So it, it all began in 1924 when the angels, Gabriel and Michael allegedly appeared to May Otis Blackbird, a 60 year old clairvoyant and her 24 year old daughter, Ruth Wyland Rickenbaugh Rizzio, whom the press subsequently dubbed a girl of many loves. Hmm. In fact, when not delivering prophecies, Ruth specialized in convincing suitors to make her loans, which were never repaid. The alleged angels allegedly told the alleged prophets to close their doors on the world for more than three years and to write a book about the sixth sense. Wow. Called the, and the book is called The Great Sixth Seal, explaining hmm. the mysteries of life, life and health, heaven and earth. The angels also promised to reveal the lost measurements that would lead them to all the hidden gold and oil deposits in the world. <laughs> so this is what this is their where they start off with. So can I can I just interject yeah, one yeah, thing? Please. So this these this cult it it based off of Revelation chapter eleven. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was saying that the two witnesses in chapter eleven of Revelation were were women. Right? Yeah, well, these two women are using that as like, hey, oh. listen, we're in the Bible. Okay, okay. So, that kind of thing. Well, so... So, they started the cult, and yeah, then they used I get it. it. Yeah, okay. But check this out. All right. In Revelation chapter 11, mm-hmm. in verse 6, it says, and this is in reference to the two witnesses, it says, these men, <laughs> <laughs> these men have power <laughs> to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time that they are prophesying and they have power to turn water into blood <laughs> and to strike the earth with every kind of plague that is that it, as often as they want. So those two witnesses are men. Right. According to Revelation chapter according 11 verse 6. According to three verses down. Right. From yeah. where they, <laughs> so yeah. they just didn't read far enough along um, and hope no one else picked up a bible. Right. Yeah. This is why knowing your bible helps folks. <laughs> right. <laughs> um okay. So, upon hearing this revelation about the book, 
Clifford Dabney, a nephew of a local oil magnate, Joseph Dabney, joined the cult and offered Blackburn $40,000 in cash and property. Wow. Yeah, which is... That's a a, lot. A lot. Yeah, for back then? Yeah. 1920? Yeah, 24. 24, yeah. So including... That's during the Depression, by the way. Yeah, it is. So they're parting with the... They're getting people to... Dude. Give them large amounts of money in the Depression. Yeah, if we ever have a big recession depression, I'm going to start a cult. I would like to do that, would too. Would you want to help me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, including... Just kidding. Yeah, we would never do that. No. No. Uh, <laughs> including 164 rolling acres that sprawled across the canyon in the community of Santa Susanna Knowles and Simi Valley. So, it's in mm. California. Yeah. Um, in the canyon, it was in that canyon that the cult built a dozen cabins... In, t- in a temple filled with furniture, including a massive gilded wood throne weighing 800 pounds, sitting upon four hand-carved paws and adorned with a lion's head. The temple was sealed off, waiting for Christ's return. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So during the day, cult members worked at a local tomato packing shed. <laughs> Every payday, their checks were collected by Blackburn and her husband, Ward Sitton Blackburn, who's 29 who is known as the North Star of the World Ooh. and sported a long drooping mustache and five-inch long fingernails. They always arrived in their black, big black car driven by a chauffeur bodyguard, David Thompson. Oh. So they're rolling in style. Who even has his name, the name of his yeah. bodyguard? This is from a Los Angeles Times article from 1999. Oh, wow. Okay. So, after the fact. So, at night, the devotees gathered in a natural amphitheater on a brush and rock-strewn hillside to watch the high priestess in their long purple robes kill mules they referred to as the Jaws of Death. Wow. After the gruesome sacrifices, forest rangers reported seeing the cultists dance in the nude. Oh. On the same site, they constructed a brick oven in which they baked disciple Florence Turner. Wait, what? Just wait. That name scares me. Yeah. Who is 30, allegedly to cure her blood malady. Oh. So they made an un- oven. And baked they, her. They baked her in it. Did they kill her? Yeah. Two days later, she died. Oh, okay. man. Believing in Blackburn's teachings and, clanvoy- and clairvoyant powers, wealthy followers William Rhodes, a carpenter, and his wife Martha, a real estate agent, moved to Los Angeles from Oregon along with their beautiful adopted daughter, Willa who became a priestess known as the Tree of Life. Mm. On Christmas Day, 1924, Willa developed a toothache and subsequent infection, which she died from which she died on New Year's Day, 1925. Which is pretty crazy to <laughs> just going back to that. Wow. She died of a toothache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, know. <laughs> like God bless our modern medicine. I know, man. Well, probably had like Civil War doctors still around back then. Yeah, probably. So the roads the Rhodeses looked to Blackburn to help. Rushing to their side, Blackburn quickly put Willa's body in a bathtub and threw in some ice, spices, and salt, declaring that the tree, the girl, would spring back to life in 1,260 days. Oh. Yeah. 14 icy months and three household moves <laughs> later, the Rhodes settled down after buying a small white bungalow um, on Marco Place in Venice. There they put their daughter to rest. William Rhodes, so they kept this girl on ice. For 1,400 days? Uh, for 14 months. 14 months, okay. Yeah. 
So William Rhodes built a metal lined coffin for his daughter and a trap door in the bedroom floor for visiting and, or quick getaways. In another casket what? next to Willa's, they buried seven puppies that represented the seven tons of the angel Gabriel's trumpet. Okay. Blackburn returned to what her the, writing. What? I'm just serious. Like what? Like what? Were you just sitting there and you looked at a puppy and you were like, hey, "That reminds me of Gabriel's trumpet." Yeah, seven of them. Right? Like what the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, as you'll come later, a lot of cults that I, I didn't even think about, but it's a interesting point that ones that are claiming to be Christian or you know yeah. whatever, they get really wrapped up in uh, numerology. Oh yeah. Like numbers. So seven is a. You know, it's the perfect number, it's right? It's the perfect yeah. number. It's a holy number. number There's all of kinds God. of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Blackburn returned to her writing, promising that when she finished, Willow would rise from the dead. So this woman still hasn't written the book yet. <laughs> so in 1929, when Blackburn failed to come up with the lost measurements of the universe, allegedly <laughs> stolen from Noah by his son Ham, when Noah's ark was under construction. The disgruntled Dabney sued for fraud. Willa Rhodes soon became the centerpiece of a, in a series of sensational disclosures. While the police were busy investigating the mysterious disappearance of four other cult members, including Rizzio's 18-year-old husband, and digging what? up... What? 18-year-old husband? Yeah. Marion Young? Yeah, she is. Robin the Crane. Oh, first of all, I have to interject. Please. Well, what what's the purpose of the measurements of the universe from Noah? That's where they hid all the oil and gold. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's why the the oil tycoon funded it. Oh, because he thought, hey, I'm going to strike it rich here. Right, yeah. He's like, this is an investment. I can handle this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was already rich, probably. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so they dug up uh, Willa's grave. More members turned over large sums of money. Or filing grand theft larges, uh, charges totaling fifty thousand hmm. dollars. That's so. Like, I mean, knowing that this oil tycoon would take his, you know, hard-earned money and invest in that, I get that. That's like a selfish, greedy thing. Yeah. But this has you have to recognize that the, these people were probably pretty smooth-tongued. Oh, for sure. Like con artist level well they got a hundred people to work at a tomato packing <laughs> plant and, and give and them their paycheck give them the whole paycheck yeah and and they probably fed them like peanuts yeah you know? well they're driving around in a chauffeur in the great depression in the in a big black <laughs> you know big black car fancy probably some lincoln or something yeah I don't yeah know. yeah so they're living large so that's a you know a thing that happens so they uh this is interesting so they went to jail uh, Blackburn was convicted on eight of the 15 counts of grand theft and was released on a $10,000 bail in 1930. The next year, the state Supreme Court ruled that testimony about the cult's weird rituals were wrongly admitted at the prophet's trial. Oh. This is a quote. This is a free country where there is freedom of religious worship and it is not actionable to the court if the defendant made certain representations as to be divine. Ooh, man. And then apparently they just broke up and that's But that sets precedent, dude. Exactly. You know? Yeah. We could make that claim today. Yeah. So here's some interesting stuff I found. (laughs) um, So here's some news articles at the time. Okay. About, there's four of them. And there's a guy 
who was one of the last escapees to leave from there, okay. from the cult. He wrote a book. And so there's some notes that he adds into these cases and stuff. Oh, cool. So it'd be kind of interesting. And they get kind of redundant since I read that whole story, but I think they're really fascinating. Yeah. Well, you know, read the cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. So uh, documents of a strange religion. So this is in October 7th, 1929. Yeah. Documents of a strange religion cult were examined by the police here today in an effort to determine whether the death of Willa Rhodes, a 16-year-old high priestess of the organization, whose body was found in a specifically made casket beneath the floor of her foster parents' home here, was sacrificed as a part of a ritual of the organization. Uh, The foster parents were held as material witnesses, and they unearthed it. Mrs. Rhodes tearfully admitted that the girl died more than four years ago, and her body had been kept for more than a year in the hope that she would be resurrected through the powers of the cult. Uh. So isn't that just so crazy when you think about that? The things that people put their hope in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, So this is what he said. I'll just read this one because I already read through the whole story. So this is what this guy said about the cult. The specifically made caskets were cedar and lined with copper. Willow's stepfather soldered the joints to make them airtight. He and a companion spent two days creating what amounted to be a compact but reinforced burial chamber. Wow. I can't speak. Chamber. Chamber. (laughs) A reinforced barrier chamber beneath the floor of their bedroom. I can't. Now now you're getting in my head. Sorry, dude. Yeah. They didn't just dig holes and place coffins in them. It was a bit more elaborate. Willow was preserved on ice for 14 months and then interred beneath the floor of the the Venice cottage. It took 600 pounds of ice a week to preserve Willow's body. Man. No one had household freezers back then. Yeah, that's what's so crazy. Yeah, she was transported once upright in a car the day she died and was then wrapped in a blanket. During every other move, she was in her coffin. The press made up the whole bit about her frozen body being moved around, propped up tight and upright in a car. It's yeah. just sold papers. Oh, wow. That's cool. So that's what he said. Yeah. That was the that was the footnote from the guy that escaped the cult? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so, did he have like a ranking in the cult? Did they mention anything? It, I didn't see anything like that. Okay. No. That'd so cool. I guess, I guess, apparently he just wrote some book. But I mean, he would have had to have been really young at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. So. Yeah, and I mean, the age of mortality back then too was low because, I mean, doctors you died from a toothache, you know. Yeah. So right. I assume he was <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. So th- there's just a, a fun cult that you haven't heard of. Oh, nice and fun. In, yeah. The old Blackburn cult. The old Blackburn cult. You no, know, there was a um, there was a road when I grew up in my neighborhood, and it was this long curvy country road, like kind of that in the backside of my neighborhood, and uh, it was called Blackburn Road. Yeah. And there was a, a house, a big mansion up on off that road. It was called Blackburn Estate. Hmm. I would I'd love to check that out and see like when I was a kid it seemed like, oh, creepy. You wonder creepy, if it's yeah. like yeah, you wonder and it probably was just a country home that somebody the Blackburn family or something like that, you know. Right. But wonder if it was related to the Blackburn from this thing. Yeah, you never know. Where was this in California? Cal yeah, it was pretty far away. Yeah. So I mean it's still possible. You never know. Never know. Yeah. So, the second cult that I'm going to talk about yeah. is way bigger than just a single cult. So, this is, I decided when I was going through and trying to pick some, I talked about that when I accidentally went to a cult last time, 
and I didn't really follow up with anything or information. So I thought this would be kind of a good way to break down um, what my actually what my dad looked up. <laughs> Remember, because I said that he had uh, I sent him the picture of the church, and he looked it up, and then he found all this stuff. Oh about yeah, it. yeah, okay. So, and maybe, and, and w- when we get into the brainwashing, uh, the techniques that they use that separated this cult, um, you'll probably be able to jump in a lot. Okay, cool. So the whole thing is called the G twelve vision or movement. Now, this just to make clarity for our listeners, this is the cult that you visited. Yeah, you visited this particular church. Uh, so or you thought it was a church? Yeah, I thought it was a church. Okay. So, I'll, I'll read a little bit of the history of it, and then it kind of, you'll see how the church, so it, I guess the individual church that I went to, there's like 200,000 members worldwide Gosh. of this movement. Of this G12. Yeah, church planting thing. Isn't there a, a Mercedes, like really awesome Mercedes called a G12? I'm not sure. I'm not into Mercedes. Or G5. G5. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Not sure. I'll Google it while you're talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as a uh, as a good uh, Polish, uh, you know, I have Polish yeah, you, heritage. You won't drive. Up. I would, don't don't drive Germans. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, my grandparents. Uh, yeah, it, I feel like it would be disrespectful. Yeah, it's a G five Mercedes. Okay, there you go. It's an SUV. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I'd drive one. I wouldn't. I mean. I'm just got British and Scottish and yeah. I heard this comedian just as uh, he he said, and I started doing it because I was like, yeah, that makes sense. He's this Jewish comedian. He said uh, the way he gets revenge on the ho- for the Holocaust is he walks by German cars and flicks boogers on them. <laughs> so I, I I won't say that I do that, but oh. I won't say that I don't. Okay, <laughs> as a little piece of rebellion. There you go. So I don't drive a German car near me. That's cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I do my part, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I drive all American. Yeah. I drive Japanese or Korean. Okay. Anyways, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Okay. So, the G12 vision was formulated in 1991 by Pastor Cesar Castanellanos after attending the Yoido Yo- 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 <laughs> Full Gospel Church in 1984, which was in South Korea. Oh. Yeah, so he he saw that their cell group model fosters church growth. Okay, and so then he changed their how they do it. So Caesar Castellano, yeah, he, go, he goes to a South Korean church, right? Learns cell group model, which yeah. is small groups, right? And then changes it, and then changes into his thing. So he basically took a small group from one of their churches. And started his own cult with it. The model. Yeah. The model. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so it started, so uh, the, the, it, it was a cell church discipleship strategy pioneered by Caesar, blah, 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 at the International Charismatic Mission of Bogota, Colombia, where he was a pastor. Wow. He believed that God, sp- I'm just going to say he, because I'm not going to try to mispronounce his name. Yeah. Believe that God spoke to him in a vision, laying out what he desired, God, the church to do in response to the end times. So Caesar was getting a vision from God. Vision from God about the end times. It was like this is how you need to do it. It always starts that way. Yeah. So this vision was the government of twelve principle, a hierarchical pyramid scheme of discipleship and authority. <laughs> 
He proposed that because Israel had 12 tribes and Christ had 12 disciples, the church needed to base their structure on this governmental model and become a cell church. That's the numerology, bro. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So just a basic outline of how this works. A pastor trains 12 people to be cell leaders. These cell leaders are responsible for discipling 12 others in a cell group, usually with a minimum number coming from the community and not within the church they attend. So you have to steal people. Oh, wow. So you have to go find them. Right. Yeah. So this kind of makes sense as to, like, when I laid out that everyone was super attractive and driving, like, the guy had, like, a $5,000 Breitling on. Yeah. You know, like, all this stuff. So they want to make it super attractive that you want to come hang out with these people. So that's basically what they do. And I don't think I have anything in here, but a big thing that this church did in particular is they would get like a bunch of hot chicks. I'm I'm dead serious. I read about this on like forums where people were talking about their kids getting sucked into this. Okay. They would have like a bunch of hot chicks in like some, I don't know, German car, you know, like a Mercedes roll up. Okay. And act super interested in some guys and then say like, Oh, Hey, do you want to come hang out with us? Blah, 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 blah. We're going to this other thing. Like, a bunch of our girlfriends are there, and you're like, oh, yeah, these hot chicks, are, they want to hang out with us? Let's right. go hang out with them. Easy prey. And then they start Easy prey, them. right? And the same thing with the reverse. They have hot dudes, I guess, that roll around. It's a little bit harder with women, but yeah. Yeah. So maybe they're both going after guys. Cause... It's, called, it's called the low-hanging fruit, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> guys are pretty easy. All right. So he's getting visions about the end times based on a 12 number 12 and make 12 guys have to disciple 12 guys that they get from different churches. Right. Okay. Okay. The all, by the way, all of the name of the way it sounds like a legit, like, no, I'm serious. Pyramid scheme. No, no. It sounds like a legit church. Like the name of the cell group and the connected to this charismatic thing and you know, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, so here's some of the issues before we get in. Okay. It talks about, So, like some other charismatic and faith movements, G12 has no statement of faith and no governing doctrines or beliefs. Whoa. These subtleties of the practices are governed by teachings that are not biblically sound. They're all found in his books. Oh, we're going there. One of his books is called Success Leadership Through the Government of Twelve. So, it's like all this stuff. Um. They have a stages of implementation called the ladder of success. The stages are win, consolidate, disciple, and send. Wind, win, consolidate, disciple, and send. Is consolidate mean take all of their earthly possessions? I would assume so, yeah. <laughs> Basic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> consolidate their wealth. Right. And so it says, here's where they start getting into some mind control techniques. So they use a lot of hypnotic techniques and mystical manipulation by prolonged sessions of loud music, clapping, dancing, jumping, and rolling around in a tiring, breathtaking atmosphere until the person has lost consciousness (laughs) and ultimately falls into a trance. But this is too much of a human effort falsely entering into the realm of the supernatural. So after all, a born-again experience is supernatural, but like Nicodemus, never are we taught by the scriptures to acquire it by ritualistic and hypnotic means. Okay. So Is that, the, is that an editorial note? Or is yeah, that, yeah, okay. that's what the guy stole it from. Okay. okay. So I'm going to read some more 
so this is this is where it starts getting crazy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is based on this is a newsletter that was put out by you know these big groups that deal with cults specifically, uh, Christian you know like a Christian yeah, mission like a rescue site place yeah yeah okay let me I already read that part okay so the responsibilities of a cell leader. Each leader has three main responsibilities. The first is to meet once a week with his or her leader to whose group of 12 he or she belongs. Second, to direct his or her own weekly cell. And third, to meet with his or her own 12 disciples once a week. Once the leader has his or her 12, he or she will be able to help his or her 12 to each select their own 12 (laughs) until the number of people under him or her reach 144 subordinates with the leader at the top of the pyramid. At that point, the leader no longer directs his or her own cell group, but continues to supervise his or her own 12 to assure that all is running correctly. So again, more of that. Okay. So they have this thing called the encounter. So again, up until now, if you didn't know anything, it seems pretty okay. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's just the way that they structure the church. I would say, especially if you're like a seeker, Right, and you don't have a real um, like maybe you don't know Jesus personally, yeah. But you're interested in spiritual things or whatever. They're not shoving Jesus down your throat, and you're hanging around hot people, and they seem successful, yeah. And they're all on board. Everybody's like moving in the same direction. You feel like you have some community, exactly. Very appealing, yeah. Very appealing. All right, so they call this thing the encounter. Okay, so it's based on a Catholic. A Spanish Catholic three-day spiritual retreat. Okay. Called Cur- something in Spanish. <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna try to say it. All right. El Encantor. Yeah. Cursilos de Cristianidad. Gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I only took Spanish for like six years. Okay. But I can't remember anything. <laughs> All right. So for many, the encounter is one of the most controversial components of the entire G12 system. One of the chief objectives of G12's centerpiece retreat is to facilitate a powerful, life-changing personal encounter between each each participant and God. So, Kostianalov's, whatever his name is, uh, has called this the penial experience, a reference to Genesis 32.30 in which Jacob saw God face-to-face. Penial, huh? Penial. P-E-N-I-E-L. Yeah, I, I know. Is that right? Yeah, that's that third I or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's the pineal. It's spelled. Pineal. Yeah. Is it spelled differently? I think so, but it might be the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, the effectiveness of the process depends in part on the element of mystery, even secrecy. Thus, in many, case, many cases, ch- churches forbid those who have taken part in an encounter weekend from telling others exactly what takes place. Ooh. Yeah. In Latin America. So it's big down south in Latin America. Yeah. Central South America. Yeah. yeah. In Latin America, if someone asks a graduate how the encounter was, he or she is instructed to simply say, it was tremendous. Given the number of disturbing effort reports we have received, it is not difficult to see why. Hmm. So this is what the founder says about it. Okay. Only those who have gone through the pre-encounter should take part. The group should be homogenous men women young men or young women or married couples boys and girls can 
can participate in the children's encounters. Oh, get them young. Yeah. Okay. So, and if you can't tell, I actually printed this stuff out. So uh, that's, <laughs> if you can hear me flipping pages, I went old school with it's, it. It's you and your three ring binder. You're so nerdy. Yeah. I got stuff yeah. highlighted. Uh. All right. So the beginning of the encounter. Encounter participants are not told where the retreat will take place. The founder notes, it is preferable to be away from the city. So these are all stuff that he's written in books. Again, participants are transported to the event on Friday afternoon and arrive at the retreat site only after sundown. So again, at night. Yeah. Yeah. They're driven there. Right. They're not, you're not allowed to leave. You can't bring your own vehicle. You're trapped. You're trapped. Upon arriving, encounter participants are instructed by their leaders to surrender their wristwatches, cell phones, cameras, video recorders, with the explanation that those devices could make a distraction. Of course. Why not? Right. What if no one changes one's... What if one changes one's mind? He says... The founder says, no one may leave before it ends. Ooh. Even if someone should resolve to go home, they often cannot because they have no idea where they are. And it's... They don't have a way... Right. Like, what if, and then I have a phone. Right. And they took, and the the thing with the wristwatch is important too. Yeah. Because you have no idea. The concept what, of time. Concept of time. You which also kind of plays into this uh, hypnotic, yeah. yeah, the mind, the mind stuff they do. Yeah. Uh, they said, we even have reports of youth encounters at which the organizers padlocked the doors in order to prevent anyone from leaving. So the founder emphasizes that early during the encounter, each participant must be confronted with his sin, its causes, and its consequences. Thus, it is necessary to create a sin list. Oh. In some encounters, this list has been prepared beforehand so that throughout the three days of the event, each participant can carry it with him and check off every sin he has committed as soon as he remembers it. In some cases, participants are given a list including sins so grotesque and perverted that they would never would have entered the person's mind until then. Oh, great. Typically, each participant is expected to write his name on a personal sin list and indicate at which church he uh, belongs to. Like which of the cult churches? Yes, yeah, so like, they do like big events so people will go from different mul- yeah. yeah, multi, okay. Uh, parti- got to keep track. Right. Uh, you know. Participants also undergo what the founder calls genuine repentance. The goal is to cause them to feel unclean and miserable for their sins. The founder teaches, it is necessary for the new believer to understand that genuine repentance means feeling pain for having done what was wrong. Wow. Yeah. Do they inflict pain? Is that what's about to happen? Yeah. Feel this pain, boy. Yeah. So maybe you could say something that, so obviously that's not right. Of course (laughs) not. So yeah, well, (laughs) there's a, there is such a thing as godly sorrow Mm -hmm. and it leads to repentance. And it's when your conscience is, you know, uh, when the Holy Spirit convicts your conscience and, and your spirit and you, you recognize God's holiness and your Sinfulness. Anyone that has a living relationship with the living God, like a true living relationship with the living God, they're going to understand this this whole sin relationship pretty quickly because God is holy. He's righteous. He's he's just. He's just this. Um, he's this outside of our understanding realm, and in a lot of ways. But when that encounter uh, 
when we have an encounter with that God, His holiness presses against our sinfulness, and you, you just can't mistake it. The conviction in your heart is real. So my guess would be that those, these individuals, probably some of them are genuinely convicted. Right. Like I would say that they're, they're going through this list of things. But then I have the other side of me that's thinking like there's a whole lot of manipulation. And, right. You know, so like you said, like there was things on the list that wouldn't even enter a person's mind until they read it. Right. And and then they're like start to double, you know, question themselves and mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe I have thought of that before. Right. You know. So, yeah, that's my opinion on what's in there. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate it's that. It's actually not in my opinion. That's biblical. So. <laughs> All right. So what's more, it is consistently reported that during the breaking of curses session, participants, non-believers, new converts, and longtime believers alike are treated as though they are on the very same spiritual level. Uh, The founder clearly doesn't define what methods local leaders should use to make their encounter participants feel the pain of their sins, but organizers have often gone to extraordinary lengths. For example... Participants in Central America have described repentance sessions in which an audio recording was used to portray a scene of family abuse. Wow. First, the screams of a child were heard as she begged her drunken father not to beat her mother. Wow. Okay. So they just blast this in the room where all these people are. So anybody that's had dealt with child abuse. Boom. Or abused. Yeah. Maybe. Been the abuser. Yeah. Then the terrified mother's screams are heard as the husband attempts to strike her. Nice. According to independent witnesses from two separate encounters, this recording lasted almost 10 minutes and was played at a deafening, almost unbearable tone. And this- she should have listened to him. Honestly, <laughs> she should have listened. She brought it on herself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make a joke, but I can't. <laughs> I know. I know. In this uh, atmosphere of artificial hysteria... The participants' emotions finally broke so that they might seek God's forgiveness. Uh, The spiritual shock treatment can take other forms. During one encounter session, the heart of a large animal was produced by the leader, (laughs) and each participant was asked to pass by and stab the heart. The leaders taught that we wound the heart of Jesus in just the same way when we sin. Okay, that sounds like something that a like a newbie youth pastor would do at a at a youth summer camp or something like to you know prove a point like you bring up yeah. a cow heart, throw it down on a table, and stab it. This right. is what you do to Jesus every time. Yeah. Oh uh, my goodness! In another encounter, participants were presented with a heart made of fabric, which was immersed in a container filled with red paint. Mm. Next, the heart was thrown to the ground. But it was trampled by the session leader, thereby teaching participants this is what they do with the heart and blood of Christ each time they sin. Hmm. As the leader stomped on the heart, the participants in the entire room were spattered with red paint. (laughs) In yet another encounter, participants were told to sniff excrement so they would know how badly their sin stinks before God. Goodness. That's incredible. Yeah. The goal of these grotesque practices is to persuade the participants that they are terrible sinners and greatly in need of God's forgiveness. Okay. So that's one way to to do it. Yeah. So this is not a healthy (laughs) thing. Sniff this crap. (laughs) This is exactly what what you smell like when you sin, you filthy sinner. Yeah. It's crazy. Unreal. All right. So this is 
the inner healing that takes place. Man. Another encounter in another encounter session called Faith to Heal Our Souls focuses on the participants' need for inner healing. Um, each are, each participant should identify in each stage of his life how the traumatic experience took place in order to enter and heal the wound. An encounter leader helps participants to identify their inner hurts through the power of suggestion, mentioning traumas of rejection that each individual may experience in his life. Yeah. This regression takes them from the womb all the way to the present with a guide making troubling suggestions, such as you are the result of an unwanted pregnancy. Mm. When you were born, your parents expressed disappointment that you weren't the (laughs) sex that they hoped for. Uh, nobody was happy that you were born. Nobody wanted to take care of you. Uh, you were sexually molested. Nobody ever helped you. You never succeeded at anything. They just rag on these guys. Yeah, you're just a loser. Yeah. Participants are often asked to make a list of the people who have mistreated or harmed them in one of the more ways mentioned. The session leader may use regression to return to the moment when the trauma took place. The participant is asked to recreate the hurtful act through visualization, then pray and ask Jesus to take upon himself the offense or the harm inflicted. So, all right, I got to I got to pause there yeah. because this is the problem that I have is that th- there's some of what's going on in this that is it's like some of it is actually I don't I don't know how to say this without <laughs> like I don't want to affirm what's going on there because there's so many things that are wrong, but it starts off on the right foot and I think it starts off with the right agenda, if I, if you will. Hey, you need to understand that God's holy, you're a sinner and you desperately need forgiveness. No one, no Orthodox Christian would argue that statement. Right. It's just the manner in which you go about trying to communicate that and prove that point and bring a person to that same understanding. Right. That's the, that's where it gets weird. Yeah. So the tactics they're using, I mean, locking people in, taking all their devices, not to be a distraction, all that stuff, like all of that is just leading up. But this inner healing thing is a big deal because there's actually a whole lot of charismatic uh, leaning churches today that um, have been practicing inner healing for as long as I know. I mean, I've been a Christian for 30 years and as long as I've been a Christian, they've been having this performing these practices of inner healing Mm -hmm. and it's very similar to what you're describing here um from this this 3 310 cult or whatever it is the g5 g12 g12 cult uh yeah it's all about getting god's number 12 (laughs) but uh anyways uh there's that inner healing thing is something that's been around for quite a while and there but but here's the other thing is that there is a need for healing i mean if i've been molested and I've been carrying that around in my life for the past, you know, however long I've been a believer. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, I become a Christian or, or maybe, okay, say, I, say I'm molested as a kid, I become a Christian. And now this, this perpetrated sin has been placed upon me from somebody. Mm-hmm. I need healing and deliverance from that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, and when I say deliverance, I don't mean like I have demons, they need to be cast out of me i mean next yeah i'm sure it will uh (laughs) what i need is i need deliverance from the pain and from the oppression of the effects of that sin that was perpetrated against me right and you are going to find that only in christ but to go about doing it that way Mm -hmm. it just seems counterproductive or counterintuitive if you will at the very least at the very (laughs) least yeah like i mean 
a good like a good counselor mm-hmm. that's walking someone through this they more than likely have PTSD they more than likely have you know they're carrying around they probably have reacted out or acted out on in their life in some way that's been sinful a lot of people molested like i mean what did they say about strippers right every stripper has what daddy issues yeah right they've their daddy's done something to them so they're acting out right because of sin that was placed upon them mm-hmm. um i just thinking about these things like the way that they're doing it it's just actually harming people oh yeah it's making it worse yeah and i, I thought that's why it should be very in, I, I thought when i found all the ways that they when it actually breaks down the secret meeting thing yeah it's really important to hear because stuff like this invades other churches. And maybe if you're listening and you, you know, cause we read how the bio, how they twist scripture, but this is like really scary to see or read or hear however yeah. you're doing it about how they actually do it in practice. Yeah. The practice is where it starts to get really and dangerous. And you see with each, or I see it with each subsequent thing. It's just, and again, you have to remember the environment. They're just completely trying to break a person. Yeah, they're isolated. They're they're yeah, completely like a band, basically like trapped. Right, and you start to think uh, people that suffer. Uh, you know, they. I'll use this as an example because I, I have I have friends that were active duty um, that have <laughs> done a lot of combat and stuff like that, and they yeah. have tons. Of, I'm not trying to make light of it. They just have. A lot of PTSD, and they'll always talk. Even okay, I'll make it even broader. Soldiers, when they go together, and you know this camaraderie that you see with military guys, that they all understand what each other have been through and stuff like that. Yeah. So they have this bonding that happens um, at a traumatic event. There's a bond that because they all went through it together. Right. Yeah. So that each of them understands the other in a very um, it's a deep way. Yeah. A deep way that. People just don't understand. Right. You just don't understand what it's like to be in whatever situation. And it happens not just with soldiers, but it's an easy one to categorize, but people um, in other situations that... Yeah, like police officers yeah. working on duty together or, or firemen or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. High-risk jobs. Yeah. Right. Or shared experiences like being molested together. That kind of stuff right. happens. Yeah. So anyway, the point I was bringing up with that is you can see how people in these sessions start to get that with each other. And that is what makes it even more, makes it even that much more hard for them to leave the cult. Right. Yeah. Because then all of a sudden they're like, I, you know, I went through this thing and now I feel they, I would assume after going through such a traumatic thing and being able to come out of it. And then everyone like, Oh, you're welcome. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the church. Now you're, your you know, family. Your family. Quote, unquote, family. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's a huge sense of relief that has to come at the end of this thing. And you went through it with these people that, you know, together. So now, how do you leave something like that? You know, these are the only people that understand you. Yeah. You know, they know all your sins. Well, and too, now you're, you're going to, what are you going to leave to go back to that? Go right. back to what you got healed from? Right. Right. So now you're going back to like a wasteland. Yeah. So this really is just like a... <laughs> A uh, super manipulative man, but it's like a textbook of how to break somebody. You know, like <laughs> yeah, I'm I guess re- it I, is. I feel like I'm reading this and like 
See yeah, instructions on how to start a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Please get no ideas, anyone listening. This is <laughs> this is not for you. Yeah, I'm going to start my own cult, so I'm not going to join yours. Right. All right. <laughs> All right. So talking about demons. Okay. So the next phase of, yeah, the, of the encounter. The founder teaches that all Christians, including pastors, need to be delivered from demonic bondage in order to be surrendered to the work and bring numerical growth to their congregation. Oh. He says, it is a reality that evil spirits control people's lives and hinder their Christian development. So he believes in generational curses. Mm -hmm. They're believed to be passed down from one's ancestors. That's a a pretty charismatic, uh, normal charismatic belief, by the way. Yeah. Generational curses. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So once participants have been delivered from their demons, they are prepared to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit with this sign of speaking in tongues. Oh, okay. That's the only sign that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and delivered is tongues? Yep. And so... (sighs) Okay. A whole lot of babbling going on in that place, I bet. (laughs) Yeah. The old encounter. So next is the purification stage. So, it says, during one encounter in Central America, the leaders sought to illustrate purification by setting up a barbecue grill in front of the participants. They pulled out a container holding the organs of various large animals and first removed a tongue and placed it on the grill. Then they instructed participants to literally grab their own tongues and symbolically cast them onto the barbecue so that, just as the tongue is burned on the grill, so their tongues would be symbolically burned so they might only be used for edifying words. Next, the leader removed a pair of eyeballs from the container, placed them on the grill, and asked the participants to touch their own eyes and symbolically toss them onto the barbecue so they may be purified by the fire and only look upon good things. After this, they did this with a pair of animal ears. (laughs) Lastly, they grabbed... The testicles of an animal. Oh, no. <laughs> Toss them on the fire. Oh, no. In the same way, ask people to grab their genitals. What? And throw it onto the fire so they would be faithful to their spouses and abstain from illicit relationships before marriage. Oh, come on, man. Yeah. And then they, uh, at the end of all this thing, of course, because they have to throw it in too. Um, During the course of many encounters, a memorable feature of the final day is a series of offerings. First, an offering is taken from whatever money the participants have on hand. Then the session moves to a new level in which participants are urged to give any possession of value they can bring forward, Hmm. even urged to bring all that you have. Witnesses in different encounters in El Salvador say they were instructed that if you don't give, your finances will will be cursed. Oh, yeah. To manipulate participants into giving more, a leader came forth and gave his testimony on how God prospered him after he gave everything he had, he had brought with him on the encounter. Oh, yeah, of course. That's how it worked. Yeah. So, that is... G12. That is G12. So, all right. Uh, this is the danger. Is it's it, it skirts a line of, like, very close to what a lot of mainline churches would believe. You know, it just goes over the top with the expressions and throwing, grabbing your genitals and (laughs) throwing them on a fire and all that nonsense, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's where it just gets weird. Um, What, did they have any, they they don't have, but you said they don't have any any statement of faith. Right. And they don't have any leadership, like, 
hierarchy that they've I mean other than the pyramid other than the yeah the, the 12 and 12 and 12 yeah, yeah the 144 yeah so at but it says at at the top is this founder and then under that is the 12 so whoever above you yeah is says that you do it is he still alive the founder I do yeah. believe so yeah yeah Cesar Caesar yeah Caesar Castellano Caesar Castellano Okay. Well, that's that's a that's a weird code and I'm so glad that you got out of that. I'm glad that you didn't get roped into <laughs> I that. I mean, I was only there for 2 hours. So. <laughs> no, but I'm glad that you got rescued. Yeah, yeah. You started talking about guns and they got nervous. Yeah. Oh man, that's yeah. that's just so strange. I I don't even understand like um so someone in their right mind. Mm-hmm. Like just logical. If someone started doing a performance of a heart stab the heart this is what you do to god it's like is this this is a joke right like i would literally be like this is a joke right yeah but see at the and see again this is at the very end so they've been just emotionally broken down broken down yeah 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 so you could could almost do anything at that point yeah yeah and the inner healing is the bigger thing because now they're tapping into some really broken brokenness in an individual Mm -hmm. and they're manipulating that for money and to keep them in the family, in the cult. Right. You know? And again, so, I mean, that's basically... That's key. Yeah. yeah. And you give up all your money, all your possessions, blah, 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 blah. So, that's... How many wives does this guy, Cesar, have? Do, do we know? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see anything about polygamy. Yeah, we should um, we should see what kind of sexual immorality this guy's involved in. Oh, I bet, I'm sure I bet you he's got something going on. Yeah. No doubt he's got... He's taking money. No doubt he's... Oh yeah, living yeah. living high on hall. I bet she has a jet. You know. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. If there's a hundred thousand members, yeah, yeah. Does all that pyramid money go uphill? Yeah, to the top. Exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. So, oh boy. Yeah. So I. So you have one more. Or I got you, one more. Okay. And this is, um, like I said, one is kind of like, oh, that's you know, the first one is kind of like, oh, that's cool. I didn't know about that. And then that one, I I hope would be kind of informative and maybe. Um, demonstrative, I mean, yeah. demonstrative, demonstrative of, yeah. of you know how maybe it works and something that is happening right now. And they don't, churches don't. So when I went to this church, I, I just I went I looked at the website earlier today. That's when I was doing research just to see if the church was still there. And the website, I it literally looks like any other non-denominational church, and it, they just said a you know, a big focus on small groups. So, you know, if you didn't know, uh, if you didn't know any better, you, you might, uh, I mean, maybe somebody is going to a church or has been to one of these churches before and they have no idea. Yeah. No. And I guess you really wouldn't know until you go to this weekend to encounter. Yeah. And that's a big thing that we talked about last week about the cults is that they have this inner, um, you know, hit, hidden knowledge or stuff that doesn't become, isn't apparent to you when you first uh, get into it. Yeah. I mean, it literally is keeping away of. On their G12 website, it's, it says win. Like the four stages is send, disciple, consolidate, win. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's so ridiculous. Win, it actually says go into all the world and preach the gospel. So it, it literally says to go and preach the gospel. Yeah. It's very, very misleading. And and so disciple it says school of th- of leaders one to three re encounters, so they got to go through these encounters. And that's what I was that's what I was talking about. And 
and what's amazing to me is disciple literally means to become more like Christ. That's all it means. <laughs> yeah. Become more like Christ, not go to an encounter. But they would say, oh, no, this is our pathway to becoming more like Christ. Yeah. And the Bible's never in there. Like, no, like, no, no, no. It's a go, go into all the world and preach the gospel. What verse is that? Right. Is it Mark or Matthew? Right. You know, why don't yeah. you put that in there? Yeah. It's not in his leadership success book. And see, that was that's another key thing that, uh, you know, last time, if you have to view everything, you can't come to the Bible as its own. You right. have to go through the lens of... Yeah, what he's... How, what how the he's, revelation that he's been given of the 12... Right. The t- government of 12. Right. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing uh, I was reading, and it brought up this point. So, Jesus had 12 disciples, right? And yeah. And one of those was Judas. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, what does that what does that do for your uh how does that edifying in the uh structure? Yeah. So right. anyway, so I, I set that up with had uh one that was oh okay, and then one was oh that's kind of serious. And this is absolutely insane. All right, so let's this one is super crazy. This is um nut bag crazy. Nut bag crazy just all right insane. Let's, let's hear it. What do you got? Okay. So this cult is down in Argentina. What's up with know, this? I'm sorry, Brazil. It's one of those. What's it, with the South American right cults, man? I don't know, but you better get it together, South America. You yeah, or you're gonna have to drop the America part because <laughs> we don't we don't take kindly to. We'll build a wall. We'll build a really big wall. It'll be a it'll be a hedge of protection. Yeah. Okay. So this uh, the English translation of this cult is called the Superior Universal Alignment. Superior Universal Alignment. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna read a little story about this stuff, and there's not a lot about this cult because um, I'm gonna read some new stories afterwards about the indictments that came from this. Okay. And these guys were charged like decades after everything happened. So they didn't find out about any of this stuff until like, you know, 15 years after the fact that it happened. Oh, man. So this is, it's really kind of sketchy to find out information about this. But here you go. Okay. So Valentina de Andreda began her meteoric rise to infamy in a small Amazonian town in 1981. Uh, It was that year that she began receiving messages. It began small enough, just impressing neighbors with her fortune-telling talents and minor minor displays of clairvoyance. Okay. But soon the messages began taking a darker tone. Try to mix it up a little bit. Valentina began preaching to anyone that would listen that the world was going to end soon. So she began a church of sorts called the Superior Universal Alignment. Her mission, her mission was to inform those who would listen that God did not exist. Jesus was an extra, it was an extraterrestrial, oh and that she was gosh. an entity of light, love, and truth sent to educate the masses. One tenet that was central to her teachings was that all children born after 1981 were reincarnations of evil. Ooh. Was this, would that include you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you made the cut, right? I made the cut, baby! I'm an yeah. OG. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm evil and you're not. 
Um, Good job. Yeah. This meant that any of Valentina's followers who had children born on January 1st, 1982 or later were supposed to abandon them in order to gain salvation. Salvation, which was to leave Earth on a spaceship before the end of days. Oh, of course. This is before Heaven's Heaven's Gate. Gate. Yeah. Yeah. What year was this? 1982. Okay. Or 1981, sorry. 81, yeah. However, when Valentina's first date for the rapture came and went with nary a peep, her followers began to grow concerned. Mm-hmm. So naturally, Valentina upped the stakes. She accused her followers of not proving their loyalty and of not believing strongly enough. She told them that they were to unequivocally demonstrate their adherence to her teachings that the ship would finally come. That's mm. when all the children began disappearing. Oh. In all... 19 children went missing and five dead bodies were found between 1989 and 1993. Whoa. The children were all males between the ages of 8 and 13. Each had been tortured, raped, and then stabbed to death. Man. Additionally, their bodies had been mutilated with their genitals and some vital organs removed. The public panicked at the discoveries and the police struggled to pinpoint who who might do such a thing. Luckily, a nine-year-old uh, Wendicelli Pinherio, okay, I, that's his name. Uh, we'll call him Wandy. Wandy <laughs> escaped his captors and went straight to the authorities. He was able to identify his captors, including Valentina. Four of the men pointed out were arrested immediately, but Valentina escaped custody by fleeing the country. What? By 2003, five of her followers were put on trial and convicted to life sentences behind bars. But Valentina was in the wind for 11 years. When mm. she finally was brought back to Brazil. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I was wrong. Whatever country. Argentina. Brazil, whatever. Right, it's all yeah. the same thing to me. <laughs> uh, when oh, she was dude. brought back to Brazil to stand trial, in a salacious trial it was. Uh, I, I'm not saying. I'm just reading this. It was the best write-up of it. Yeah. Valentina st- stood accused of slaying at least 19 boys. Her teachings were brought out for everyone to hear, and by all accounts, the public was appalled and pushing for her to be found guilty, all except the jury, that is. Oh, man. By a vote of six to one, majority is all that is needed in Brazil, Valentina was acquitted of all charges. Unbelievable. The swaying factor had been the doubt in her defense that her defense team raised about whether or not Valentina was in the country at the time of the murders. Oh, my goodness. Um, she fled the country. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she fled the country after it was after, discovered. Yeah. Like, like, can't they put timelines together? No. Stupid jury. Yeah. So, uh, she's still preaching again now in Argentina as of 2009. Oh. And her website is currently up. Did you go there? I did go there. <laughs> What's her latest prediction for the end of the world? This website... I've seen a lot of really bad websites. This one is so crazy. Hey, dude, she's on hard times. Okay? She's on hard times. She lost all her followers. All of her finances have dried up. And there's she doesn't have any more boys to kill, I guess. that's Yeah, that's like, talk about mommy issues. Yeah. So I'm not going to read any of the court stuff that, you know, one got 57 years, one got 77 years. Wow. She didn't get anything. That's what kills me. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon the pun. <laughs> No, uh, dude, that's just insane. Yeah. Like, like that's literally evil incarnate insane. Yeah. Like, 
Okay, so what what amazes me is she makes a prediction, misses the prediction, and then and then says, "Oh, it's your fault. You're not loyal enough." Right. That, so I, now I love that tactic. Yeah. So in other stuff I read, she specifically blamed because they just left their kids. Yeah. They didn't kill them. So that's why, after the year came, yeah. they started. That's kidding. insane. It's like, yeah. To, yeah, you, had, you need salvation. You need to abandon these children that you had. Yeah. And now, because you didn't abandon them well enough or you didn't have enough faith, now we have to, you gotta kill them. Rape, torture, castrate them. Yeah. That's the other part. It's like, it's not just, not just, yeah. It's not bad enough. You could just end his life, but. Dude. Evil. Yeah, that's evil. That was uh, that was definitely a bizarre, sad one. Yeah. So I, I unfortunately, I, most cults fall in this type of a category, though, where they do some weird, and then somebody's got to die. Yeah, a lot of them do. So do you want to? Uh, so I went to her website. Like I said, I started it up. Oh yeah, yeah. I, let's go through some of her beliefs. Okay. Yeah. Let's, I thought this was fun. So okay. just it, it blew my mind at this woman who's still updating the website. It's still active, and try to find some of her beliefs. Okay shoot okay here's the the truth about god oh oh. subtitle some items contain the meticulous details oh the major plasma true father surrounded by millions and millions of light individualities primary plasma contaminant of individualities that decided to pact and choose to deny the light radial systems and parallel universes Universal security, cosmic pyramids, the Big Bang, and centers that generate energies. Is universal security like eternal security? I have no idea, man. <laughs> she doesn't believe in God, though. I know. So. It's plasma. It's my plasma TV, God. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, so well, that's that's what she says about God. There's other stuff that just... But I love how she's like, there's the universal... Pla- or what was the first one? Supreme plasma? The major plasma. Major plasma, and then the, the second the one... The primary plasma. Primary plasma. <laughs> that's, that's evil. <laughs> it's the same thing, man. Right. All right. So here's her... Re- this is what... Her revelation about UFOs. Oh, oh So cool. this is her writing, okay? Okay. So I just took it. On a memorable day... May 27th, 1981, in this planet began the most transcendental moments from the very beginning among all the beginnings that will conclude with the (laughs) ending of a universal cosmic cycle. Okay. Cosmic light beings, also known as superior individualities, trusted in me as the unique and genuine trustee of the, in all caps, high universal knowledge. Okay. Her cat, it's, it's just so crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's like all kind of caps and then there's like some words aren't or whatever. It makes no sense. She's yeah. literally mental. She's absolutely insane. Yeah. On the first contact, it was very difficult for them to talk not passing from unintelligible stammers. A few days later, it became firm. So this was what, so this was what perfectly dominated by them. Months were dedicated to answer about my past, a real avalanche of conflicts, pains, and lack of affection. Wow. High universal knowledge was slowly transmitted to me. It pulled down absolutely everything taught to us. The impenetrable mysteries to reason sprang in the fertile land so easily as a healthy seed (laughs) germinates. It is easy to understand the huge puzzles that scientists 
and many other people are just desperately trying to decode. At first, no one will be able to imagine what this meant to me. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> the impact was tremendous. This Maybe. caused me spring tears. Spring tears? This caused me spring tears. Okay. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I got you. Anguishes and begs us not to continue, <laughs> as if I could not bear it. From desperation, this phrase came up. Truth demands reason to know it and strengths to uphold it. You possess both of them. But why me? I will not bear it. Please stop, stop. And I bumped into the table, <laughs> copiously crying. The lady must pay attention to our words in due course. You will understand the magnificence of a whole that you must know, and we will keep on detailing it. Nothing remained without an answer, so I began to feel love for those beings, a love that gradually matured and with an unknown strength. I started transcribing the revelations to study and decode them, since as long as they arrived, the contents of the words was different from the usual way. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So she's getting these uh, encounters. Wait, that's the other cult. She's getting these, uh, <laughs> she's getting these like visitations from UFOs, aliens. Yeah. yeah and these Supreme Plasma people. <laughs> Supreme Plasma. I'm trying to find, she, uh, she brought up something about her thoughts on homosexuality. Oh, great. So this will be interesting. Coming from a woman that kills boys yeah, that are 8 to 13 years old. All right. Maybe we can end with this. Yeah. This is her view on homosexuality. Okay. From her own words, she wrote this. Neither is, as many people understand, believe, affirm, suspect what they say, <laughs> lack of shame, and so on. Homosexual is pro... It's two words. Homosexual <laughs> is programmed in the energy. Oh. From the childhood, puberty, adult, or at due time, the energy sends out towards the physical conscience what is congenial, not existing doctors, or someone who boasts to know that will get to modify the programming. Okay. He, she will feel an irresistible physical attraction by his, her, his or her own sex. Therefore, when the energetic information is received, couples break off, one of the members or both join separately with to whom she or he felt attracted to. It is criminal and unfair not to allow them to be happy. They only want love and to be loved freely. Where is the lack of shame or crime? Insensitive parents are not parents, but exec executioners of their own sons and daughters. It has to be understood that homosexuals are the victims of the programming originated by the one whom you say to accept it was bold wow and whose wishes you respect and then you should get down on your knees and think instead of expelling them and show yourselves as chaste and poor am i wrong so she's a social justice warrior too i wonder what her thoughts are on feminism uh, um, there's <laughs> who knows right yeah. yeah so i'm sorry to waste your Where's words at like five minutes none no. of that means that doesn't make any sense none of that none of those are those are words but you they know, don't mean anything weirdly though i understood what she was saying she, uh, like, she likes gays she's affirming it and she's saying that everyone else should affirm it and that it's pre-programmed that was her whole idea yeah it's pre-programmed in a person it's not a choice that's what she's saying yeah the aliens have spoken Rosie, we have to obey. So now we know 
the origins of it's, it's not so we know that you're not born that it's it's not a you are, born are you that born way. that way or are you chose that way it's you're chosen to be born that way by aliens oh <laughs> it's both my my we have not been i just my, my head just exploded things <laughs> <laughs> oh man so i uh so I wanted to contrast and read some of that as there's a point. Here's a point. Um, you see, it doesn't make sense. Maybe it's a central, maybe it's a South American thing that they don't, well, no, they're both from South America. Yeah, they both are. But you see one that like has all this structure and. Yeah. Or appearing to be orderly. Orderly and all this other yeah. stuff. And then you see these people that are absolutely, that doesn't mean anything. What is that stuff like? It's bat beep crazy. Yeah, is what it is. That's the best way I can. But describe still, it. she got hundreds of followers to kill children. Yeah, that's insane. Spouting that stuff, it blows my mind. Well, yeah, it's just I I don't know who I feel sorry for more, her when she stands before God, and the real God, yeah. or the followers who followed her. Yeah, like I don't get that too. Like, did you take your brain off at the door? Yeah. Like, did you just not think about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, and it's very subtle too. I think, I think when these cults start to work into people's, people's lives, it's all subtle and then it slowly gets talons and then it's like they can't break free. Yeah. You know, and that's the crazy thing about them, man. Dude, so, well, yeah. I, I think I tried to give you guys a nice contrast of the, the uh, wide array of different cults. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I thought it was fun. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a little sad at the end there, but that's okay. Yeah. So uh, next week, I'm going to try and uh, bring a couple of my own, and we'll probably wrap the series up. Yeah. <laughs> we might add some things to uh, to that program as well, um, just, you know, um, helping people understand a little bit more about mind control a little bit and manipulative tactic tactics and things like that, you know, yeah. that they'll use. But, um, dude, that's the, the worst, you know, like you were saying, the worst – kinds of cults are the ones that are very close to what we would consider orthodoxy mm -hmm. or you know legitimate christianity and i think that's why we both wanted to spend a lot of time last time laying down you know how right yeah the g12 like on their website when you were talking and stuff i was on their website on my phone just checking them out and they there are it looks very legit and even some of the wording is right, but mm -hmm. the lack of a statement of faith. And these are the things that you have to understand is like a statement of faith is really what you believe. This is like what your core beliefs are mm -hmm. and what you're going to live for. Make money. Right. That's their, that's their, dollar, dollar bill, yeah, the, their straight state statement of faith is add, you know, bring your, bring your checkbook and bring it often. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that, um, it's interesting, and and so because of the motive of money, and these are things that that you know we are warned of in Scripture that people are going to preach Christ out of selfish gain and and for wrong motives. Paul Paul addressed this, you know, very early on in the church when he was already, you know, like on his second or third missionary journey, he was already facing you know these false apostles and people with wrong motives and distorting and twisting the truth a little bit and that's outside of like the the judaizers right that were always following him around and stuff but yeah man that's that's crazy um 
Well, man, this has been a cool episode. Yeah, I think uh, I hope it wasn't too boring, and I hope my voice wasn't too. Uh, no, dude, it was. Made you guys turn it off. It was great. It was great, man. I loved it. Thanks, I en- man. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So uh, hey, we will wrap this one up, and we will catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at alloutwarcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.